Greetings, Wanderer, and welcome back to Lonely TTRPG, the solo actual play and review podcast. This week, we are playing There and Back Again. There and Back Again is a game made by Ray Otis. And as you can tell by the title, this is a Lord of the Rings game. So, introduction, you are an adventurer in the world of The Hobbit. Specifically, the world as it appeared in the 1937 edition of that book. Anyone can be a wizard with the right knowledge. Trolls turn into stone in the sunlight. Animals or magical objects can speak. And elves aren't always nice. And the wild is full of terrible creatures like goblins, giant spiders, and even dragons. To create a character, start with a two to three word concept in keeping with the world of the Hobbit. Some standard concepts are Exile Dwarven Miner, Hobbit Burglar, Strange Wizard, Human Ranger, Wood Elf. But you can describe yourself as an elf historian, a Hobbit Sheriff, an Elven Shortsmith, a Dwarven Tunnel Fighter, a Human Skin Changer, or any other thing that you can dream up. Each character begins with three points of toughness and two points of fate. Divide five more points between these two stats. Toughness is how many wounds you can take before being taken out of the action. Choose a high toughness if you plan on being a rugged adventurer. Fate, whether you think of it as luck, heart, or the will of the gods, is a resource you can call upon in a dire situation. Choose a high fate if you see your character as magical, either innately, through training, or having magical trinkets. During your adventures, you will lose toughness from taking wounds, which can happen when you fail a roll, and spend fate to get out of a sticky situation or do magical things. If your toughness falls to zero, you're incapacitated until you can get healed or rest up. If you take wounds while incapacitated, you die. After a long rest in a safe place, a haven, your toughness and fate return to their starting values. You may also regain points of toughness and fate when you take courage. You may never go above your starting fate or toughness numbers, but you may increase these numbers through advancement. In addition, we have some traits and skills. Choose two traits and three skills from the list that follow. All right, so traits are in bold and the skills are what's listed after them. So for example, you got rhyming traits, which include the skills singing, playing an instrument, reciting poetry or telling stories, fighting as hand-to-hand -hand martial, brawling feats of strength, crafting, forging, repairing, building, appraising, that sort of thing. And remember, magic always requires one fate to use aside from any spent on bonus dice. Also, you cannot do magic without using the magic trait. So for example, they give a sample character called Forzo the Hobbit Sheriff, who has a toughness of six, a fate of four. They chose their two traits as carousing and foraging with the drinking, scouting, and shooting skills. Rolling die. Whenever you try something risky or complicated or whenever the GM tells you, grab a 2d6 before rolling. If you want to use magic, go ahead and spend a fate point. If you have a significant advantage, grab another D6. If you have a significant disadvantage, drop a D6. Having a skill is an advantage. Not having a trait is a disadvantage. 
The GM determines which traits skills are relevant and is the final arbiter on all advantages or disadvantages. But you can make your case. Roll and count successes. You never roll more than 3d6 or less than 1d6. A 5 or 6 on any die equals success. Otherwise, you fail and may take a wound. Spend fate to add one extra die per one point spent. You can go above 3d6 this way. If you rolled all ones, it's a blunder. Something really bad happens. The GM says what? Note, you may spend fate to try and roll your way out of a blunder. Remember, all rolls are made by players. The GM describes the situation and asks the players what they do or presents an immediate threat and forces the characters to react. Take courage. Courage can be found in many places. If you sing a song, recite a verse, or tell a story of heroes of yore in a dangerous and dark place, roll rhyming. On a success, each player chooses to get one fate point or two toughness back. The GM may offer other choices. The best subjects for rhyming are natural wonders, bountiful feasts, humorous anecdotes, and tragic tales of lost love or great sacrifices. Havens in the Wild In your adventures, you will move from places of quiet and rest into terrible dangers, and back again. These safe spaces are called havens, where mostly civilized folk dwell, and the worst perils are kept beyond guarded borders. Beyond lies the wild, the places in the land that have never been tamed or have never been reclaimed. Be a chaotic or evil forces. You must be in a haven to fully heal or grow your character through advancement. Now, there are companion options. Friends, retainers, or other extra characters may join your party. They have one to three different skills and may be controlled by anyone in the group. You also have resources. You begin with a D6 set to two for the party resources. To make a big purchase, roll less than or equal to resources. You won't roll resources for routine purchases only when you kit a party out for a big adventure or to try to buy something really expensive or rare. Also, the GM may raise or lower your resource die as appropriate if you are robbed or spend a big sum, find treasure, etc. Advancement. Characters get 1 XP each time they add to the lore of the world with rhyming, secure a treasure, or encounter something dangerous in the wild and overcome or avoid it. Players can spend 5 XP while in a haven to permanently get plus 1 max toughness, plus 1 fate, a new trait, or a skill from a trait that they already have. In the event of failures on a failed die roll, make things worse. Occasionally consider failing forward, allowing success with a serious cost or drawback. On a fail, you can also cause a wound minus 1 toughness. Really big monsters, deadly traps, severe falls, etc. may cause two or three wounds. Always push hard on a blunder. Cause collateral damage, pin them down, burn up a resource, have their magic backlash or a magic item act up. Remember, the world is full of dangerous places, creatures, and people. When you add an important danger, consider making a list of things it will do if the characters don't intervene. So some sample dangers are like War Riders of the Bloody Fang, which have a toughness of one per goblin and a toughness of one per warg. And these might pick up the character scent, gather the wargs, and attack in dark, unsuspected places. 
And the example they use for this, they have three check marks. So it looks like this is a three-pronged approach. So the players do something and the wargs pick up their scent. And then so many actions later, they gather the wargs and so many actions later, they attack. So that's actually a good use for your failures and your blunders is to start a clock like that. Finally, we have magic items. Magic items may be merely wondrous or they may be called relics. Wondrous items often carry names or have subtle passive effects. Example, glow near evil creatures. Relics confer a magical skill like invisibility, but characters must spend one fate to use activate them. Any magic item can be lost, broken, discarded, or tainted, of course. And some will have a will of their own. So that is the rules for there and back again. It is a very simple system, a very simple two-page system. So we are going to go ahead and get into gameplay in just a moment. Greetings, Wanderers. It's Steel Stash. I wanted to thank y'all for listening to Lonely TTRPG. If you like this episode and you want to help support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash Black Dragon Dungeon Company. Of course, there are other ways of helping provide support, liking, commenting, retweeting, sharing, spreading through word of mouth. That is how this podcast has grown thus far, and that is how we are going to continue to grow. Any little bit helps. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you. And now, on with the show. So, first things first, we're going to have to go ahead and create our character. So, I think, I think we are going to be a hobbit. Might be because I want to be a hobbit when I retire, but at the very least, we're going to be a hobbit now. So we're going to be a hobbit. We're going to be hobbit Bob Steelstash, and we are going to be a farmer. And if hobbits can have names like Proud Feet or Proud Foot, depending on which side of the family you're on, then the farmer known for his fabulous gray mustache can be known as Steelstash. I know mine's not gray yet. Y'all got to give me some time, all right? I want to be old. I'm just not that old yet. All right, and we're going to need to determine our toughness and fate. So we start out with three and two, and then we get five more points to go into each. So I'm going to go ahead and add four toughness to here, and we'll add one fate. So we will start off with seven toughness and three fate. I think for my, I think for my skills, I'm going to go ahead and take rhyming and foraging. So we're going to take the rhyming and foraging traits. And for rhyming, I'm going to take telling stories. And for foraging, let's go ahead and take herbalism and shooting so we got bob the hobbit farmer he's a tough old bird likes to tell stories knows a little bit about his herbs knows how to knows how to get himself a rabbit when he's hungry and he is going to be thrust into an adventure so bob one day while out on his farm he would have seen a group of, he would have seen somebody run by through his fields. 
And as he always has a problem with the young hobbits sneaking into his fields and stealing some of his crops, he is going to go ahead and grab his bow and start chasing after him. He's not going to actually shoot them. You know, but it's important for them to be scared. And while he's out, he might as well go and might as well go and grab find himself a rabbit. It had been a couple days since his last rabbit stew. He just got some fresh potatoes to to either boil and mash them or stick them in the stew with the rabbit. So Bob is going to attempt to kill two hares with one stone, as it were. Scare some hobbit children and catch himself a rabbit. But as he is as he is chasing this thing, he's going to chase it off of his farm and into and into the forest surrounding the Shire. Now, this isn't this is not Lord of the Rings time frame, so the area is not crawling yet. The area is not crawling with bad things yet. However, the forest is starting to wake up. The woods are starting to wake up. There have been some there have been some strange stories from the Brandy Bucks. Of course, you know, it is the Brandy Bucks, so you always have to take what they say with a grain of salt. But it is not it is not the complete it's not completely the best thing out there. It's not the safest spot. Like there are the strange stories. People have been seeing strangers on the road. Like, what strangers are doing in the Shire, nobody knows. But having chased this thing this far and not seeing the children, Bob's now starting to get a little bit concerned because after all, again, not safe, but not horrible. So Bob wants to make sure that... Bob wants to make sure that these kids are okay. I mean, it would be... Be a terrible shame for if anything happened to the children. I mean, I don't want them to scare them a little bit. You don't want them to go running off and disappearing into the darkness of the forest. So Bob is going to go ahead and attempt to track where he thinks these things went. So that is going to be a 1d6, if I understand the rules correctly, as I do not have a skill or relevant advantage. Outstanding. That's a one. I was hoping to fail. I wasn't hoping to blunder. So as Bob is standing there thinking of what to do, he's not even standing there. Like he's walking and thinking of what to do. He's kind of walking along now and he is going to, he is going to walk into a, he's going to walk into a bit of a trap. He is going to pick the wrong tree to lean against to try and catch his breath. And from around this tree, from around this tree, a goblin is going to pop up. We're going to go with goblin. It's a nice, easy one. Nice, easy start to everything. And this goblin's going to pop up and it is going to charge at Bob. So Bob is now stuck in combat with a goblin. And we will go ahead and give the goblin a toughness of one with no fate. And we'll say that the goblin got the drop on Bob. Because after all, Bob wasn't expecting the trap. He was just trying to catch his breath. And so this goblin is going to pop out. And this goblin is going to attempt to attack Bob. And it is a goblin. So we will say, we will say it has the relevant fighting skill. And let them roll a 2d6. Ah! 
And they got a five, so they definitely got one. They definitely got a hidden on us. So that's going to drop our toughness to... It's going to drop our toughness down to six. And... Oh! Bob's going to back up with little goblin scratch marks on his face. And he's going to pull his bow up quickly, and he's going to attempt to shoot the goblin. And he's taken by surprise, and his arrow just narrowly misses and thunks right next to the goblin. The goblin is going to chitter with joy and rush at Bob again. And that's going to be another hit. This goblin is doing great. And yeah, Bob's going to Bob's going to do what he can, but he's not a fighter. And I just I'm just uh, and and he's going to back up some more and try to shoot it again. And finally it gets a lucky shock thunk right into the goblin's eye. And the goblin is going to perish. And now Bob is freaking out. I got go, goblins in the Shire. <laughs> he's going to grab the body. He's not even going to grab the body. Bob is going to turn and he's going to sprint back to. He's going to sprint back to the green dragon. Because somebody has to know about this. Somebody has to like there are goblins in the Shire. Even if it's just one, that's. That's not good. So Bob is going to sprint back to the Shire or back to the Green Dragon and he is going to he is going to run in there and help somebody help. And luckily luckily Gaffer is there. Um luckily Gaffer is there. Oh, what's this Bob? What's got all the hubbub and commotion about? I, I ran across some goblins in the Shire. I, there are goblins in the woods. We, we need to do something. We can't just have goblins running around. It's not safe. And Bob's announcement is going to cause, again, quite a bit of stir and quite a bit of commotion. Because after all, again, having goblins is not safe. So we're actually going to have Bob go ahead and roll a storytelling. We're going to have him roll telling stories. To see how well he relates this. I'm going to keep it at 2d6 because I want to give him advantage for having been there and being able to do it. But he, th again, he is still freaked out. So we're going to leave this at 2d6. Unfortunately, everybody's laughing. They just think it's another one of his stories. They just think it's another good time. And so Bob is not going to find any help at the Green Dragon. Unfortunately, Bob is going to have to go home that night. And as he goes home that night and he makes his supper... And he's lying in bed. Like, all he can think about is the chittering goblin. And he's gonna... He's gonna go ahead and make his decision that he needs to head up to Buckland. He needs to go find the Brandy Bucks. The Brandy Bucks, at the very least, will... at The, the Brandy Bucks, at the very least, will send somebody out to investigate. They are a very prominent family. They have a lot of interest. They know the tall people. So the Brandy Bucks are the ones to go see. So Bob's going to go ahead and pack up some of his stuff. And he's going or he's going to pack up some rations. He's going to pack up some food. Uh, it's only a couple day journey. And he's going to go ahead and when he wakes up in the morning, start making his way out. And because he's had a full night's sleep, we will go ahead and let him come back up to seven. I'm going to go ahead and roll another 2d6 to decide how many days this journey is going to be. Woo! Woo! 
Uh, Bob does not live in a good spot. So it's going to take Bob seven days to get to Buckland. We're going to have Bob take seven days to get to Buckland. Unfortunately, Bob is only going to have 2d6 rations. That's how much food he could spare. Oh, good. He's got plenty of food. He's a farmer. He knows how to make, he knows how to preserve his stuff for winter. He kind of dug into some of those stocks and, you know, so he's got his pot. He's got his pack full of, he's got his pack full of preserved and dried foods. And he is ready to go. He grabs his bow and he is out the door. And he's reminded of a poem that he heard a while back. He can't remember. It was somewhere around the Green Dragon. Like a lot of people said that Bilbo might have come up with it. But like the poem just seems really apt right now. As Bob gets ready to head to Buckland. And like honestly if Bilbo made it up it wouldn't surprise him. That kook up under uh, up at Bag's End. Running off with wizards and whatnot. Bob's not trying to run off with wizards. He's trying to warn people about goblins. But again, just the words of Bobo's poem come to him. And he just can't help it. As he just starts singing. The road goes ever on and on. Down from the door where it began. So for Bob's journey, we are going to go ahead and we are going to go ahead and we're going to do rolling for some random encounters as opposed to just to see if anything happens to Bob while he is on the road. Now, surviving in the wild is a foraging skill that Bob does not have. Again, with the shooting and the hunting and whatnot, from now on, I'm going to rule that under normal circumstances, having the trait and the skill will get you the three. Having the trait that the skill falls under will get you to two. Not having either will give you one for your number of dice. So we're going to roll 2d6 and hope that Bob does well on his first day. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, Bob does not, does not do well on his first day. And while like as soon as he, almost as soon as he gets out his door, practically as soon as he gets out of his door, especially as you consider where out the door is to the Shire folk, Bob starts traveling through the woods and he starts making his way when he hears a howl in the distance. Howl. And Bob is not up for fighting a wolf. So Bob is going to have to, Bob's going to have to do something. He is going to find a tree and he's going to attempt to climb a tree and hide in the tree from the wolf. Hopefully the wolf has better game to pursue and will leave him alone. So we're gonna we're gonna continue to call that a survival skill. So we'll let him roll at two d six for this again because he has foraging but not survival. Luckily, he is able to get up the tree. The wolf passes by. It sniffs at the base of the tree for a moment, but it leaves Bob be. It seems that it caught the scent of something a lot more delectable than a hobbit, and it takes off after that smell so luckily bob's only lost a little bit of time he hasn't lost a lot of time 
So we will allow him to continue on with his journey as is for day two. Day two, luckily, Bob is able to follow the path and does not run into any particular issues. Day three. Ooh, day three is a one. So we're not going to let Bob get away this time. As he is nearing the halfway point, Bob is stopped for his midday meal. And he is sitting at his little campfire. Because after all, you know, he's going to make a campfire. It's, even though it's the middle of the day, he's going to make a campfire. He's going to heat his food up. And as he is sitting there enjoying a delectable soup made from leeks and radishes and a little bit of cheese, something else seems to be attracted to the smell. And that something else is going to be another goblin. So same as the last one, same as the last one, Bob is going to have to fight it. And yeah, we're going to go ahead and say that we're going to go ahead and say that Bob is surprised again. So this goblin gets to drop on Bob. Luckily, the goblin was more interested in the food than Bob, it seems. So as the goblin dives in, it like changes his mind halfway if it wants to strike the fat hobbit and steal the food or just steal the food. And because of that, it kind, he kind of the goblin kind of sails in between the two. Luckily, this allows Bob to react, and he quickly grabs his bow. He is still scared, but this is not like the first goblin. This is not altogether unexpected. So Bob is going to shoot at the goblin with 3d6, and... Oh, man, Bob. Bob rolled a 6-1-1. That was almost a blunder. Luckily... That six is a success. So he manages to he manages to peg the goblin hard. We're not going to say that the goblin is dead, but he gets a good shot. That goblin is wounded, and that goblin, uh, just the way everything transpired, the goblin comes rushing out of the trees, leaps between Bob and his cook fire, and as it hits the ground and kind of skitters, Bob's arrow sinks into its leg, and... With a howl of pain, the goblin just bolts into the opposite tree line. Now, Bob has no interest in following this goblin. He has a lot more important things to do, and he doesn't want to risk fighting another goblin. He had to do this one. At least he thought he did. He was not expecting it to go as well as it did, especially based off of the last fight. But Bob is going to... Bob is going to quickly quickly pack up his pack up his stuff it's gonna be a little bit of a trick because you know his pot's still hot still got hot soup in it but he's also not leaving it because it's a good pot it's a good travel pot right there and his hobbit sensibilities and all so he's gonna fashion something with some branches so that it can continue to hold the pot and he's going to leave luckily it wasn't like super hot it was just starting to get hot bob's a little sad that he didn't get to eat his meal he will travel for a little bit, a good 20, 30 minutes before stopping and taking stock of his surroundings and then settling down for his lunch. By this point, unfortunately, the soup is cold and this is the most disappointing thing. So 
But luckily, the pot is also cold, so as soon as he finishes eating, he can pack everything back up properly and continue on his way. So day four, I roll too many dice, it doesn't matter. Failed again. Things do not seem to be getting any better the closer to Buckland that we get. And this is the, this is the biggest concerning factor for Bob. As he hears along one side of the road the howl of another wolf, and shortly after that, a goblin chitter. And now Bob is Bob is properly scared. And again, he's going to he's going to attempt to find a place to hide, and he's going to attempt to find a place to hide so that the danger might pass. Ooh, two fours, two fours. Mm. So that is a near miss. That is a near miss. Two fours just miss passing on both of those die. You know what? I'm going to use a fate point. I'm going to use a fate point and I'm going to roll one more d6. That was a horrible idea. Now I'm down to two fate and I still failed. But hey, when you got meta currency, you got to use it. And if you fail on fate, I think that's kind of a sign. So Bob... Bob is going to once again try his tree trick. He's going to try climbing a tree and hiding from the wolves that way. Or hiding from the wolf that way. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the wolf has a goblin riding on top of it. So we have a wolf-goblin combo here. And with this wolf-goblin combo, it's not just a single beast looking for a meal, but a scout hunting something. And given Bob's run-in yesterday, given Bob's run-in yesterday with the goblin, uh, in fact, as he looks down, he sees that this goblin has a bandage around its leg. So it seems like this goblin went back and got himself a, got himself a warg and wanted to come back for Bob. So Bob is up in the tree. Bob is very vulnerable, but... The wolf and the goblin are on the ground. The warg and the goblin are on the ground. So the warg is going to attempt to climb the tree towards Bob. It will not be able to get there right away. So that is going to let Bob have one opportunity at shooting. Now, I wonder who Bob is going to aim at. So to determine that the goblins will be even, the warg will be odd. And this will let us know if Bob knows to shoot at the, or is going to try to shoot at the rider or the mount. Even Bob is really hoping that if he shoots at the goblin, that the warg will run away. So luckily Bob is proficient in shooting. So as he sees them, like, as he sees this warg and goblin start sniffing around the tree he's hiding in, and then the warg just digs its claws into the tree as it starts to climb up bob is going to take his bow and he's going to take aim at the goblin and he's going to succeed in shooting the goblin off of the warg and the goblin's going to fall with a sickening thud luckily for the goblin i guess it didn't feel the fall as the arrow protruded from its throat unluckily for bob the warg has his scent and doesn't necessarily need the goblin so the warg is going to attack Bob, and we're going to go ahead and give the warg advantage on this attack. So the warg's going to be rolling with 3d6 as well, because Bob is in a very precarious position, and 
the warg is just trying to bite at him. And the warg manages to get him. And the warg's teeth clamp down on Bob's leg. And Bob's going to scream. And he's going to... He's going to take an arrow and he's going to stab... Like, he's going to stab with the arrow. It's I'm not going to give this a full 3d6 advantage. I'm only going to give it 2d6. Because even though Bob doesn't have skill in this type of fighting, he's stabbing the head of a giant wolf that is currently attached to his leg. He has enough advantage. Like, really, it's more a case of can he do damage as opposed to can he hit. Unfortunately, Bob is really freaking out about this. And his his wrist angle is all wrong. And it, like, he, like, slides it along the pelt as opposed to getting it in there. So the warg is going to clamp, is going to attempt to bite again and clamp down harder at his same advantage. And that continues to work. The warg got another hit. He is now drawing blood. Bob is once again going to, Bob is once again going to stab straight down with this arrow. Oh my God, Bob, Bob, come on. Get off me. And it's just not working. It's just not working. So unfortunately, the warg is going to bite again. Luckily, after getting a taste of blood in its mouth, the warg seems to be a little overexcited and like completely like pulls his head in the wrong way to snap down. But it doesn't matter. Bob cannot capitalize on the warg's miss. And it's not like Bob can climb down either or anything like that. Like, all Bob can do right now is fall. The warg is going to attack again. The warg is going to get another bite. Bob is now... Bob is now starting to... Bob is now in some bad shape. Let's hope that... Let's hope that this time he actually succeeds. And he does not. If you couldn't tell by the exasperated sigh. Going again for the warg. Another success. Bob feels a sharp pain in his leg. And he is going to continue to do everything that he can. Oh, God. So close. I saw success and then it rolled off of it. And it's digital dice. Like, it's digital dice. I don't know why. Like, why they would design the roll. Like, you'd be able to see the roll in digital dice. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Bob is... Bob is desperately clinging to life. Luckily, the warg, when it pulls its head back, pulls it back a little too far on its next attack and just can't quite, just can't quite get it. I'm going to go ahead and spend another fate dice. I'm going to go ahead and spend another fate dice. We really need to deal with this warg. Potato. I'm going to spend my last fate dice. Potato. Two fate dice. I used two fate dice and I got four, four, one, and two. Bob, you are so close, Bob. All right, once again for the warg. And of course the warg gets another hit. Can roll five and sixes all day for the bad guys. Unfortunately for Bob, Bob, come on, Bob. You need this. You were down to two health. Potato. Bob. Bob, you're down to two health. I need you to pull it together. All right, the warg going in for another attack. Of course, landing its attack. Bob has lost a lot of blood. Bob is feeling very woozy. This is probably Bob's last opportunity. And he misses. Oh, thank goodness. The warg misses its next attack. Bob, I need you to do this, Bob. Come on, Bob. Come on, Bob. Potato. Again. 
again, I saw success only for it to land on a one. Luckily, the other one was a four. It wasn't ones across the board. But Bob has failed, and I don't think his luck can hold out. His luck is continuing to hold out. The warg, the warg seems to have slipped a little bit. The warg seems to have slipped a little bit and just can't quite position itself back up. With a last desperate gamble, Bob is going to reach for his bow. There's a little bit of distance between them now, and he's going to point blank aim. And that does nothing. And the warg charges back up, wraps its teeth firmly around Bob's leg this time, and drags him out of the tree and into the forest. And that, and that is there and back again. Unfortunately, it seems, it seems that Bob couldn't make it. Bob could not get to, uh, Bob could not get to Buckland in order to warn the Brandy Bucks about the goblins in the woods. And his life was claimed by those goblins. Now, on to thoughts. So, very brilliant little rules light system. Really enjoyed it. Very, very easy to get, very easy to grasp. Not a whole lot of complicated things going on. Not a lot going on underneath the hood. But that simplicity does allow you to get more quickly into the gameplay. You don't have a lot of things you need to figure out. You can just dive right in and start playing. Where I wish it would do a little bit more is like help with the scenarios. Now, it is based on Tolkien. Uh, more than likely, you are a fan of Tolkien if you are playing fantasy role-playing games. If you are playing fantasy role-playing games and you are not a fan of Tolkien, then I how did you how did you get into the how did you get into the hobby? How did you get into the genre? Please tell me. Tell me. I am I am very curious about this. Please at BDDC underscore pod on Twitter, Black Dragon Dungeon Company at gmail.com. Write in and tell me how you got into the genre and how you were still in the genre without being a fan of Tolkien. Now, that's not to say you can't have criticisms about Tolkien because there are legitimate criticisms. But at some point, you kind of have to be a fan. The dude was the godfather of, of modern fantasy. But that's neither here nor there. Again, there is the assumption that it's Lord of the Rings. You know the setting. You know the enemies. You know what you can fight. And this like gives you a very simple entry point to that. A very easy, very, hey, roll up a quick character and go have fun. And that's like, that's all that it is. Like, it is just, it's fun. It is a fun game. It has some fun mechanics. There are some things in there that are like inferenced that I kind of wish were more explicit. Like I said, in the sample dangers, it had a checklist of several that I wish was kind of explicit on how to like, where it would explicitly state, hey, when building a danger, make sure it is a checklist of these things. It can, like, these can advance through any failure, crit failures, what have you. But then again, it is a two-page, you know, it is a two-page print fold take with you fun little game. So, you know, there's only, there's only so much explanation and nuance that you can ask for and hope for in something designed to be that small. But again, you don't really need you don't really need a lot because it's Tolkien. It 
even if you're not a fan, you know Tolkien. Like, even if you're not a fan, you know what, like, classic fantasy elements. And that is what this delivers. It delivers a nice story for that and helps out. Now, again, it doesn't look like it was really designed for solo, but very easy to play solo. You can play it with uh, you can play with some type of GM emulator like Mythic or GME. There are a ton out there. You can hit up you can hit up Reddit and go to r slash solo underscore roleplaying and just ask. They have a ton. I am trying to build my own solo roleplaying community on Reddit. R slash lonely TTRPG. Go check us out if you want. Hint hint wink wink nudge nudge. Get what I mean? But I. Don't have members right now to really help you out. So it's going to be me kind of regurgitating what I keep seeing in our solo roleplay. But you don't need a GM emulator. You don't really need it. You can't play without it. I played without it. If I was using one, I would have had it up to show you guys. Because you guys see my, like, you guys see the entirety of my gameplay. I just, I created a basic scenario. I let certain things from that scenario kind of build on each other and happen in. Ended up with this lovely little story about goblins in the woods and unfortunately the hobbits are unaware because Bob wasn't able to make it. Hopefully hopefully after his disappearance and somebody from the Green Dragon will go out to investigate. And hey, if you decide to get this game because it is free, I didn't even see an offer for payment. But if you go onto itch and you get this at... Ray Otis, that is R-A-Y-O-T-U-S dot itch dot I-O slash T-A-B-A. If you go pick up this game for free and you want to run a search for Bob, please tell me how it went. Tag me. Send it to me. I'd love to see. I wonder if Bob actually gets found and what happens because, again, it was kind of a spur of the moment. I needed a blunder and... You know, Goblin was the first thing that popped... Well, actually... Actually, Hobbit eating trees was the first thing that popped in my head, but even our heroes only survived that thanks to Tom Bombadil. So, quickly moved away from that. I didn't want giant spiders in the Shire. So, I was like, eh, Goblins. Goblins came out of the Misty Mountains. and Were being driven out of the Misty Mountains. And, yeah, some of them ended up in the Shire, and somebody had to go warn them. But unfortunately, because they were running around, that means that the road to Brandybuck was dangerous. And unfortunately, because Bob let one get away, you know, he came back. And like, even though, even though he didn't, even though that goblin did not live to see their revenge, the goblin got its revenge. Its warg managed to complete the mission. So thank you very much for joining me this week for There and Back Again. Again, brilliant little game. Definitely go check it out. Definitely go pick it up. It's free, if nothing else. If nothing else, it's just a PDF sitting on your laptop or your phone. But great game. A lot of fun. Real easy just to pick up and roll with. And as you saw, it doesn't need a whole lot of stuff with that. But I have been Steel Stash. This has been Lonely TTRPG. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, I must ask y'all to stay awesome. Are you looking for a D&D podcast for the dark side? 
something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python. Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old-school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. <laughs>